time I checked, I was still a kid. Childish, childish. This all freaks me out a bit. Hey, after you drop off the kids or put them to bed, turn on Childish with real-life friends and podcasting virtuosos, Greg Fitzsimmons and Allison Rosen. Laugh about the struggles and joys of parenthood. Grow closer to your children. Learn something useful or not. Maybe feel less alone. And maybe even put the spark back into your love life. Childish is for people who are parents or had parents if you had no parents, maybe check out WTF with Mark Marin. Subscribe to Childish. New episodes coming soon wherever you listen to podcasts. Childish, oh shit. Last time I checked, I was still a kid. Childish, childish. This all freaks me out a bit. Childish, oh shit. How can I pet when I'm still a kid? Childish. Allison Rosen. Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Hey everyone, hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm sitting here with someone that I've had on the show before, someone who was an audience favorite and a clip from that episode ended up in our best of moments last year. It is Stephanie Whittles Wax. I mispronounced your name last time, not going to make the same mistake again. Hello and welcome. Hello, and it didn't keep me from coming back. That's right, Even not even for a second? I mean, you're that incredible as a person that I just <laughs> overlooked the name blunder yeah. although every single person in the world either misspells or mispronounces it so mm. i i just like am accustomed i don't i don't care right. i don't notice it anymore okay. call me what you want okay well thank <laughs> you you're welcome then you guys stephanie whittles walks is back <laughs> <laughs> um you are the sister of beloved uh departed comedy writer harris whittles um he overdosed Five years ago now? Almost. Four, four years ago. Yeah, yeah it was... in 2015, uh, February 2015, so four and a half years ago. Yeah, and he, I had had him on the show. Yeah. Um, and I just put it together moments before we recorded that my producer, Tony, plays drums in Don't Stop or We'll Die, which is Harris's former band. And his fir- is firmer. His firmer. <laughs> We're going to say words however we want That's to right. say them today. That's right. Uh, he played drums too in that band. Yes. So it's like literally. Exactly. He's taking Harris's yeah. place. Yeah. Pretty big drum seat to fill, Tony, <laughs> even though you are a professional drummer. Better Do you know? drum roll the drums out of those drums. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then also you wrote a really great book called Everything is Horrible and Wonderful. Uh, and that is not the full title, but the full title is... So I don't, long. Yeah, I don't know that we have the time. I don't have the energy to say it either. <laughs> like, let's just cut it off right, right. there. It w- but it was great. It was a memoir of what you experienced afterwards. It was wonderful. Thank you. Uh, you have two children. Iris and Harry. Harry, uh, a namesake, yes. Yes, yes. Harrison is his given name, but no one knows that's his name. He's Mm -hmm. Harry. If we called him Harrison, he'd be like, what are you saying to me? He's 16 months, so he wouldn't say that full sentence, but his face would suggest confusion. Right. Uh, And you and I have done some Instagram DMing about the snoo. Yes. Which was the magical baby sleeping device that you had Harry in and I was curious about it, but I didn't get one and I, it went okay. Yeah. It ended up like, it ended up being sort of like, I don't think it did anything. Mm. I think it was kind of maybe like some snake oil. I, 
Well, the guy behind it, Harvey Karp, yeah. is like the very OG. revered. Oh, he's like yeah. the happiest baby on the block guy. Right. The five. The shushes, the swaddles, yeah. and the, the five the, S's. Swinging and five S's. Yeah. Shaking, but like not bad, the, but right. the good kind of the shaking. The good shaking. <laughs> Don't shake the baby to death, but just shake them a substantial amount. <laughs> Right. They can really, apparently they can tolerate noises that are louder than you think. Yeah. And they love to be shaken. Yes. But not in the brain damage way, right. just in the not comforting way. Right. Like if you see though the videos where they're showing Rigorous. you how to shake, it is intensely shaking. Yeah. It's way more than I would think is okay. It makes me like, leave that baby alone. Yeah, that I know. baby didn't do anything to you. Right. <laughs> it does. It's, it's highly it's aggressive. Violent. Yes. Um, yeah. Anyway, but I'm glad not, you didn't waste your money is what thank the you. point. Because thank you. like people have been shaking their babies for centuries. We don't need <laughs> right. that device. You don't need a device to do it for you. No. Um, and now you're launching Lemonada Media, which is a podcast network in conjunction with Westwood One. I So this is going to air on the 16th. The network, your first show called Last Day, launches on the 25th. So I'm giving you guys ample time to go subscribe. Make sure to clear your clear all your plans. Don't do anything with your life. Don't do anything. But clear your plans. Clear your goals and your <laughs> <Clear> ambitions. Because <laughs> you're just going to want to sit down and you're going to want to listen. And I'm someone who makes the kind of podcast where you just talk into a mic and then you throw it up on the internet. Whatever happens, happens. This is not that kind of oh. podcast network. It's a whole different venture. And I have some uh, well-thought-out questions and comments, and I want to get into a lot of stuff with you. But first, just some inside baseball stuff. As yeah. a, a professional podcaster, I have to say, watching what you guys are doing, list, I've had the opportunity to listen to some of the podcasts, which are fantastic. Here, the, your, your whole plan with like the dates that the different podcasts are going to roll out, the trailers you've been doing, the social media stuff. You had a big launch party in LA last night. The whole thing seems so well-thought-out, well-considered professional just the graphics you guys use thank you how do you how how do you become oh my that person? god you, you, you want to join our team and just be like our hype man <laughs> sure. this is inc- you just made my heart feel so warm but it really is like it's thank so you. professionally done it's so expertly done how, did, how? is that the kind of person you normally are <laughs> <laughs> you know, normally on top of your shit like that. Like, in a, so, okay. I, I love talking inside baseball, so I'm excited about this. Um, I am a grade A perfectionist. Mm. Like I, I do, I, I'm, I'm a theater person by, tr- by trade. Like that's what I, how I was trained. That's what I did forever. Uh, and so I think I can get very like in the weeds mm-hmm. creatively. Like I get very detailed about, Um, you know, each individual moment when I'm directing a play and how I want it to sound and look and exactly what the timing is and where it fades in and where it fades out. Like I can get so, uh, like dig into that minutia and I partnered with somebody who is also very creative, but is like big visionary creative. Like she doesn't like, she doesn't have time. She's like far, um, very type A, like in a, I think you might be part machine. Like I think my partner is part machine, you know? And we both have this um, shared trauma, which is that we both lost our brothers the same way. And so the thing that drives us is like is very intense. We have mm-hmm. this very um, committed purpose, you know, and, and it's very clear why we're doing it. 
And then she's been executive producing Pod Save the People with DeRay for the last, you know, they've done 180 episodes. And she has to track them. Like, it's DeRay and three other people. And they're activists. And they're all over the world. And so they each have kits. And she has to do tons of management. And, you know, has to produce a podcast that sounds really good under very taxing circumstances. Mm -hmm. And so I think that our dynamic uh, is just efficient you know and then my husband happens to be a designer and a marketer and so he left his marketing job oh he was a marketing director at a tech tech company and is working now for us full-time so all the graphics all the social media stuff like he's on it like that's what he does um and then her husband was jessica jessica Kramer, kramer yes her husband was a superintendent of like all these schools in minneapolis and after her brother died you know like I talk about this a lot in the book when something really bad happens to you, you like take stock of your life and you you're like, Oh, I'm going to die tomorrow. So I should just do what I want. (laughs) And so that kind of happened to him as well. He was very close to to his brother-in-law. So he quit his jobs, but he's like a data guy. He's a numbers guy. He's a superintendent guy. So he's our COO. So everyone's doing the thing that they are best at. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm, you know, chief creative. So like Jessica CEO, she's very CEO, like, Mm -hmm. you know, and everyone's like, I don't know. It's it's a good um it's a really good team, I think. And then we've hired all these incredible freelancers who do all the WNYC shows, like the This American Life people who are just creating these like epic beautiful narratives that you listen to and you're like that was a perfect sound in my ear. Um so that's that's kind of what's going on. And it's just like if you're going to do it, let's just do it, you yeah. know? Let's just do it well cuz there's so much content now. Mm-hmm. You've been podcasting for so long. Like you're on the map. People know who you are. Thank you. You know, like now I just feel like you've got to break through somehow. Mm-hmm. So if we have you know good quality shows and we have a very strong purpose and you know, we're trying to make the world a little bit better, maybe people will listen. Mhm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you guys have a very clear point of view. They're very listenable. They're very well done. I mean, like very expertly produced. Um, let's talk about what the different shows so far are going to... Actually, let's back up. Okay. Where did the name Lemonada come from? And yes. then tell me about the different shows. Okay. So um, we really, you know, the idea, that cliche that you want to squeeze, you know, lemonade out of lemons, you know, everyone gets lemons. Life is really fucking hard. <laughs> My version of life. I guess maybe it's easy for some people. Mine has been like kind of a shit show in many ways. And uh, but like we keep going, you know, like you have to just keep going somehow. And the idea that everyone is struggling with stuff behind the scenes and they don't want to talk about it or it's hard to talk about or they feel alone and all this. And so like if we take our shit and we like put it out there, that's empowering, Mm -hmm. you know, and those like first person stories. And so we liked the idea of the lemonade thing. But Beyonce already used that, um, and she did it really well. I know. She's, like, kind of a big deal. So so we were like, okay, my partner's half Italian, and so um, we were like, limonata is, like, Italian lemonade. And then I like the idea of lemons nada, like, no more lemons. Mm, Oh, okay. Yeah, and so then we sort of – that's how we came to it. And, yeah, so this whole lemon thing has sort of become, like – very drawn to lemons now <laughs> and your nails are kind of lemon well, colored I, I did it on purpose right for, for the launch, the last launch. Night. yes yeah. they're yellow you can't see them but they're yellow and then i have two like super sparkly gold um ring fingers mm-hmm. every time i look at them i want to sing rhythm nation by janet jackson <laughs> like i start doing the dance for rhythm nation 
I don't know. It's just very <laughs> blingy for me. <laughs> yeah, I haven't yet. Well, my nails are um, all chipped and they look like shit right now. But it, in, even when I'm uh, when I've pulled myself together more, I haven't yet graduated to the one different color n- nail on each hand, but I feel like maybe I'm going to get this. I soon. mean, this is my first time okay. and I'm going to tell you, I'm very fucking into it. Really? Is it yes. going to be a thing now? Maybe I think so. I mean, when I do my nails, usually mine are very chipped too. Mm-hmm. Are you, do, do you do the gels? Do you do the, the yeah. what's it called? Um, gel, the, the gel manicure. Yeah. The There's shellac. That's one of the brands of the gel. I okay. Think. Yes. That's, that's yes. what I do. When I do them. Yes. And I can usually go like three times in a row and yep. then I have to take a break because my nails get, are like all shred. Up. Yeah. Like they're non-existent anymore. Right. Yeah. If, if, look, again, everything, we're all done. Right. <laughs> we're all like, we're all, it's what all a metaphor. ticking time bomb, guys. <laughs> do what you want. <laughs> uh, so I heard um, the first episode of Last Day. Uh, which you host. And then I, I also heard some of Jessica's episode, not Jessica's episodes, St- Stefano's episode, mm. second episode, right? Yep. Yep. Um, and then I, I listened as well to the show with Sinead. Can you tell me about some of the shows? Yes. Okay. So last day is like the flagship show. It's why we're doing the whole thing. You know, Jess approached me uh, about a year and a half ago to come on pod, save the people to talk about opioids I was a week away from having Harry. I was like so giant and pregnant and uncomfortable and miserable. And I hate talking on the phone. Typically, it's mm-hmm. like my worst nightmare. <laughs> it even says on my voicemail, like if you've called and you leave a voicemail, I won't check it. Please text me. Um, I don't know where the phone phobia comes, but anyway. No, I. Do you feel that? I think it's uh, epi- I think it's an epidemic right now. I, yeah, I definitely do as well. I just uh, it makes me so uncomfortable to speak on the phone. Yeah, um, I recently did a couple podcasts via Skype. And I would have rather done them in person, yeah. which is weird because in general, I don't, I don't like in person so much either. I don't like people either. <laughs> yeah. It's really weird. I, but I'm with you. I'm a hundred percent with you. Um, so anyway, we talked on the phone, totally connected, uh, very instantly. And at the very end of the call, she was like, uh, I have this idea for a podcast about opioid crisis. Do you want to do it with me? <laughs> it was like wild. And I was like, um, I don't know. I uh, hate opioids. I'm really tired of talking about them Mm. and I'm really tired of thinking about them. And I didn't want them to be like the sole focus of my life. And, but then I like read this article a few months later that they're killing people now, like more than car accidents. Yeah. That was a wild statistic. I wasn't aware of that. Fucking crazy. And, uh, and true. It's a true statistic. Mm -hmm. And so I like had this flip in my mind and I was like, you know what? Uh, I, for a long time after Harris died, you know, people would say like, what do I do if somebody's struggling? What do I do? What do I, and I was like, I don't know. My, my person died. I, you tell me. Mm-hmm. I, I, we obviously didn't do it right, quote unquote. And I was like in that place for a while. And then, I don't know, something switched where I was like, um, I have had this life experience and I have a stake in it if I want to have it or not. Like I, I do have some perspective on it and – and it is killing people. And so like, why, why not? Like I have a very activist kind of a spirit. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, my daughter has hearing loss. And when she was born, we found out, you know, hearing aids aren't covered. And so we passed a law in Texas. Like I fought for that. Like, so I just feel like something sparked in me where I was just like, this is fucked up and let's do something about it. And so last day became that show. Um, but we were like, how do you make an interesting show about opioids? Like who wants to listen to that, you mm-hmm. know? And so the premise is that if we can humanize it and 
not tell the story of 70,000 people dying, mm-hmm. which is how many people died in, in 2017. Since 1999, over 400,000 people have died from opioids, which is just fucking crazy. Uh, but if we can tell one person's story, then I feel like we can get further. So we start with one person. We walk through their last day. We go from morning to morgue. And then the next episode, we zoom out a little bit and talk to their family, their parents. Their parents are saying, like, what could we have done differently? And we try to address that. Uh, we talk to a recovering I'm not supposed to say recovering. We talked to a person who is in remission. He likes to say that he's in remission Mm. because he can slip up at any time. Like he can have a recurrence of his disease at any time. If you say recovery, it like puts this pressure on, you know, um, like a judgment. Yeah. Like it's, it's over. Like the, the, the disease is done. Mm-hmm. Like I'm no longer an addict. Right. And the idea is that you're always, you know, you're, you, if you're a cancer patient, like you're, you're always a cancer patient. Mm-hmm. You're not cured. Right. It's like tempting. It's like the bet. It's like as a Jew, I'm like, you know, you don't name your baby before they're born. You know, <laughs> right. it's like that kind of thing. Um, we talked to them. We talked to um, harm reductionists. We talked to What's addiction specialists. Good question. So like there are things that we know have to be in place in order to put a dent in this, one of them you hear about naloxone, which is the nasal spray that revives somebody who's overdosing. It's like incredible. It's this, it's, it's sort of like an EpiPen, how mm-hmm. you think of an EpiPen of right. like the kids having some sort of allergic anaphylactic thing and you put the EpiPen in, they like come back. So that's one thing. Injection sites, you hear about safe injection sites, overdose prevention sites is like more palatable, but they're basically places people go to use where they're not alone and they won't overdose. Mm-hmm. So harm reduction is, is something that... And like would needle exchanges yes, be... Yes, needle exchanges okay. too, where you're... you're it's, it's the opposite of like an abstinence-based model right. where you're accepting that people are using. Right. And so how can we reduce harm? And the people who do harm reduction are typically in communities, on the ground, like passing out stuff on the streets. Like it, it, they are, they are like, I don't know. I'm not like a super God person, but like the phrase, like they're doing God's work is, is, you know, they're incredible what they're doing. Um, and it's just this idea that people are going to use. So let's, let's help them to use us safely. It's like condoms or something, you know, like how do we reduce harm? We talked to them. We talked to addiction specialists. We talked to mayors, uh, policymakers on the national level. You know, we're just like digging in and zooming out and zooming out and zooming out and figuring out like this is this one person story, but it could really be any of us. And the idea is that we still have so much stigma around drug drug use and shame about it. And like, that's why people aren't talking about it. But it's like killing more people than car accidents. That means that a lot of people are using. Mm-hmm. And so... Our goal is to just get that, you know, conversation going and, um, you know, tell people stories because you can't like separate yourself from a story as much as you can like a number. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, don't you feel very desensitized to statistics? Yes. Yes. When you said more that the opioid crisis is killing more people than car accidents right now, that really resonated with me. However, if you had said this many hundred thousand yeah i'm like i don't know what is how that to process i don't know yeah i don't know if that's a lot or not a lot Agreed. i mean it sounds big but i don't get it i was like trying to figure out what seventy thousand was in people and i found out it was basically an nfl stadium so if an nfl stadium was at max capacity mm-hmm. that is seventy thousand. yeah so when you that's think about ton. an nfl stadium of people just being dead dropping dead that's crazy it's crazy but for some reason, like the number just sounds like, I don't know. 
Right. Well, then I go like, yeah, it sounds high, but I don't know how, where it ranks compared to other things. Agreed. And yeah. Um, so that's the first show. What, uh, what fascinates you about so trying to piece together a last day? I mean, if you, if you're a family member, you've lost somebody, literally the first thing that you, you, after like picking yourself up the, off the ground and, you know, <laughs> crying for, you know, t- 20 days straight, uh, the first question is what, what happened? How did this happen? What did I do? What did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. How, what could I have done differently? What you start scanning your memory for like interactions you've had and you start looking, you know, I looked through text messages and emails and just tried to piece it together and figure out, you know, could I have done something that, that would have saved him or so that for me is like this, I called it in my book, the manic investigative phase where you just like turn your, your sadness and sorrow into this like mad hunt, mm-hmm. like detective for clues about what happened. And so that's the idea of the show is that if we can start with somebody's last day and there's that, you know, before moment and that after moment, like they were here and then they're not. And why, you know, um, it just seemed like a way to tell the opioid story um, in, a, in, a, in a human kind of a way. We may have talked about this last time, but my understanding is that manic investigative phase is like if you go with the Kubler-Ross model of grief is part of the bargaining stage, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And and when that was told to me, I didn't understand it exactly. I'm like, I don't get it though. You're not – because I thought bargaining was like if you don't take this person – I don't know. I didn't yep. understand bargaining. Yep. But I guess it's bargaining because it's like – you're still trying to exert some control or something. Oh my gosh. Yes. Cause your whole world has been shattered. So you're like, well, if I can piece this together, mm-hmm. then that'll give sense me of it. and I, and I can have an activity to do. Yeah. It'll occupy me. And you're still immersed. Cause, cause people are like, but it's not going to bring them back. And then it's like, yeah, but I'm, I need information. Yeah. That's just, it's like, obviously dummy. It's not going to bring them back, but like, <laughs> right. I still need to fucking do it. Yeah. And I think that's something that's very shared. It's like, you know, I think the, the stories that are, there's this universal thing, right. With, with grief or with anything like this, where you, you say, you know, the manic investigative phase and, and people who have been through it are like, yes, I do exactly know what that is. Um, and so, yeah, it's just this, and, and, and spoiler alert, the answer is nothing. Like you really could have done nothing because they have a disease. Mm -hmm. And that's another part of the show is that we are really invested in framing this as a medical issue and not an issue of moral failing or, or willpower or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's the first show. It sounds like it's going to be a bummer. But I'm hosting it, and I'm funny. Yes, I laughed. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay, you've heard it. You yeah. Can, and 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 I say bad words, and I talk just like I typically do, mm-hmm. and so it's not like this kind of heightened newsy. No, it's not of, like it's not like a tonight. Yeah, the opioid epidemic. No, no, it's not that. It's very personable. Very and and and, and personal too. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know? So so yeah. So. Um, I think that, and because it's produced and, you know, very narrative and scored and, you know, it's pleasant to listen to. Yes. Um, I think it will be digestible for people. That's mm-hmm. the goal. You know, we want people to listen. We want people to stop dying. <laughs> That's like truly what we want. Um, 
So that's that show, Fun Times. And then um, <laughs> the next show is called As Me with Sinead. Sinead Burke is a little person. She was the first little person ever to go to the Met Gala. She works for, uh, really doesn't work for, she consults mm. with Gucci and Prada and all these incredible brands about accessibility and about creating clothing for other body types. Um, you know, it was so interesting because she went to the British Vogue. She was on the cover of British Vogue also. No big deal. <laughs> and she went and, and, and it was Meghan Markle's issue. Meghan right. Markle did this. Had, like hand selected her. Yeah. Right? Hand selected her and 14 other people like from the world to, to be uh, one of the change makers. Mm. Right. In the world. And like they didn't they had this high stool and they didn't really have a way for her to get on it. <laughs> So even like oh at the God. shoot, you right. know? For excess. For, yeah. yeah. And like this. And so she really very kindly, she's Irish and she's just a delight. She, she brings it up, you know, she's, um, she is like a ballsy, bi- a ballsy bitch. <laughs> she's uh, also a quite a good interviewer. Incredibly good. So her whole deal with, with as me is that she's talking to, you know, these celebrities you think, you know, everything about, and she's asking these really personal questions about like, what is it truly like to be you? Like, what is the stuff nobody knows about you? Mm -hmm. And then they'll answer and she'll say, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. And she's just innately curious. And, you know, she tells this great story of, you know, her being in the grocery store and a little child will inevitably start pointing at her and being like, you know, mom, who's that little woman? Who's that little woman? Mm -hmm. Look at, look at, look at, look at. Mm -hmm. And the mother will inevitably you know, remove the child or be like, oh, yes, that's milk, you know, or, you know, and she's like, just just say hello. You know, you don't it's not going to hurt her feelings right. for somebody to acknowledge. She's like, it's obviously not the first time it's happened to me. But once the kid, if she, if the mother would just say, like, say hello to her, then she would be like, hello. And then the kid would be bored mm-hmm. because she the kid would be like, oh, that's just a normal person. I thought they were she was going to be interesting or different or weird. And so her whole approach is like, if we can talk to each other and understand each other, then we can build empathy and kind of like understand each other better. So it's like this sort of lovely kumbaya concept. Uh, and she's just a really badass interviewer. So like she's talking to Riz Ahmed, you mm-hmm. know, who's like, no offense, husband, like, I think maybe the most gorgeous human being like, I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. And he's like talking about having imposter syndrome, you know, and how he feels like a fraud. And I'm just like, what? You're perfect in every way. Um so that's that show. It's how, great. How did you guys come across her? She was a guest on Pod Save the People. Mm. And we had this idea about doing a show that that dug into like living in other people's bodies, not in a sci-fi way. Like <laughs> right. it's not face off with mm-hmm. Nick Cage and John Travolta. Um, but like, what's it like to have your body? Like, what does what does it do? And how does mm-hmm. it move? And how does what are your challenges? And um, and then we thought like Sinead should host that show, you know, and we emailed her about it and she originally thought it was spam. <laughs> she was like, there's no way this is real. <laughs> and then we like emailed her again. Like, can we talk about it? And she's in Ireland. And the first phone call was like, it was like so choppy. And we got like every other word and, but somehow something good happened. And she said, yes. And we've been on this journey with her and she's the best. And I love her. Does she come here to do the interviews? She does a lot of stuff by Skype. Um, oh. She also, we have a studio that we use in London. So she'll go there. Uh, you know, because we're partnered with Westwood One and they have radio stations all over the country, uh, you know, the studio space has been an awesome thing because we don't have our own studio, but we use studios all mm-hmm. over the, the world um, that they help us arrange. So, 
so that's that show. And then the third show in the fall is Good Kids, How Not to Raise an Asshole. And it is like basically like a TED talk on raising a kid. Like, how do you make better people? Because mm-hmm. the world is like full of really shitty people. And like, this is going to be a manual for doing a better job. You should come on that show. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, and it's each, they're short episodes. Yep. 15 and it's minutes. just like, is it hosted or is it nope. just sort of a first person? First and Elizabeth person. Lame, who my listeners know, is going to be on. She does the best episode. I'll send it to you. It's, she, it ta- she talked about like how her mother, you know, had all this body image stuff. Right. And my mother did too. Uh, you know, I think like we're sort of around the same age and, um, you know, my mom was so diet centered growing up and now Elizabeth raising a daughter and she's like very aware of not putting that shit on her, which is me too with my daughter. And in that process, it's like made her realize all the shit that she puts on herself, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, that's really interesting. It's, it's like a fascinating, beautiful episode. So. Tangent. I would like to know how you try not to put that shit on your daughter yeah. because this has been coming up for me um, just with my own like body image stuff over still carrying a lot of weight from, cause I gained a lot of weight in both pregnancies and I was able to get it off easier and faster with Elliot. And now I'm just like, it's coming off, but it's so slow. So slow. And I'm not, I don't have a lot of grace. That's the that's buzzword. I don't yeah. have a lot of grace around myself with the issue. Sure. Um, and just, I just feel like it's like, it's been something I've been talking about in therapy lately. And, when I found out I was having sons, I was honestly a little bit – I had mixed feelings because mm-hmm. I had a, I had just – I was just sure I was going to have a daughter. I just yeah. was, you know, and, right. and I, I had already pictured that – I didn't even realize how much I had already pictured exactly how light, how it's going to be with daughters yep. or with a daughter. And then both times finding out I was, I was having a boy, but both times there's a little, little bit of me that was relieved because I'm like, oh, the body image stuff that I myself have not worked out is going to be a little bit easier, yeah. even though – I want to be mindful not to mess them up too. So yep. yeah, how, what does that look uh, like for you? It's it's rough. I mean, my mom, I love my mother. She's with my kids right now. She is the best. She's her favorite person. She's really everyone's favorite person. <laughs> but she's so fucked up about food, you know? And she to this day is like so hot and like always on a diet, just perpetually on a diet. And so we make a really conscious effort to never say fat, mm. to never use that word, to never talk about foods being fattening or not fattening, but really trying to frame stuff in terms of health and talk about our bodies in terms of being strong. So I'm like obsessed. You, you got to do, I'm like part of this cult. It's called mama strong. Oh, it's I'm going to write it down. Fucking incredible. Uh, I love the woman who created it. She's from Houston. It's $5 a month. That's it. She doesn't pay me to, to be her hype man, but I'm obsessed with this program. And, like if you, I don't know, I feel like you're probably the same here, but if you give me a rule, I will, I will break it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, you gave me a rule? Cool. I'm not going to do that. You know, <laughs> even if it's like self-sabotage or whatever. So I can't diet. I'm not, I'm not good at dieting, but like I have been doing this program every day and it's 15 minutes a day and I, and Iris sees me doing it and like the title is mama strong. And is so it, we, is it exercise? It's exercise, but it's on, it's like a video on your computer. Mm-hmm. You can do it in your living room and she likes to do it with me. And so we talk about like strength and muscles. And even when she gets on the scale, like at the doctors or whatever, I'm like, let's see how strong you are. Oh, that's so, and so that's I don't so say, I don't talk about pounds. Mm-hmm. So she's not afraid of the scale. 
Because I was like, I'm afraid of the scale. Yeah, I have like real scale phobia. And what you're saying, like my second kid too, the weight came off so much slower. I also think that's because with Iris, I was like truly in crippling grief and depression. And so yeah. I just like wasn't eating and terribly health- mm-hmm. unhealthy. I was thin, but like <laughs> miserable. Right. Um, and now it's like, you know, so I have to really try to not say terrible things about myself when I want to. Um, and it's hard, but it's just like being aware, I guess. And then in terms of food, how much are you, um, regulating what and how much she eats? So very, so very little. And she came out like 99th percent BMI, like was like the rolliest baby. And she's like solid, you know, um, she's not like a little skinny kid. Like she's a, she's five, but she wears like six, seven clothes. Mm. And, um, you know, I, Mike and I like go back and forth about this because I don't want to fuck her up. And so I don't want to say you cannot eat that food because I feel like that is worse Mm -hmm. and that leads to binging stuff. And so we let her eat what she wants. Um, we try to provide, healthy options when we can. But like I have goldfish in the house. I have puffs in the house. I let her have ice cream, you know, like little Trader Joe's, um, like little ice cream bars or mm-hmm. something after, after dinner, we try to like, she'll say, um, so like when she comes home, she's like, just like has never eaten before. You know, she's like, <laughs> I want this. I want this. I want this. Yeah. And she'll just sit there and like just burn through all these like snacks. And so if she's had like a bowl of goldfish and then she's still hungry, I offer fruit. Mm-hmm. Like, how about a banana? How about, you know, how about celery with peanut butter? How, you know, and so I'll suggest healthy things, but I would say like overall we are pretty laissez-faire on a lot of things. I think that's good. On TV too, like we're, we are we yeah. are I don't know. I I I guess time will tell. <laughs> I'm I'm very similar <laughs> and I and I've said it before, but I so right now, Elliot is pretty skinny. Like, I was changing his diaper today, and he kind of, like, moved in some way. And I'm like, his ribs are sticking out. I mean, the doc, no one's yeah, concerned. Right, but right, right. It's not I'm malnourished. Like, I, was, I was, like, a real, I was a real chunky kid. Yeah. <laughs> He's definitely not that. Um, and when he asks for a snack, I give it to him. Now, yeah. he tends to really like fruit and yeah. vegetables, so I have, we have that going for us. Right. But, for the most part, if he asks for something in between meals, I'm like, yeah, sure. Have it. And if he wants more, I give it to him. And I just feel like, thank goodness he thank goodness that is not a problem because if it were, I don't know what I'd do. Like yeah. I had to put right now our dog Wendy, fat Wendy, is on a diet. And it was really hard for me to in to now it's like routine for everyone but at the beginning i'm like i feel bad depriving her and yeah. she because she doesn't understand I and know. she's physically uncomfortable and also i take it personally when people say she's fat <laughs> right right so well i feel like now i don't know like i think we are i hope making progress in terms of more accepting of various types of bodies um, like Sinead, for example, is going to be doing this whole feature thing with Teen Vogue. And I was just telling Mike, my husband, like when I was a teenager, I, I would never have seen a little person yeah. on a cover of Teen Vogue. Like that just wouldn't happen. So I'm hoping that that's true. And, and, you know, there is this whole thing about how if you have a higher BMI, that does not mean that you're unhealthy. Right. Like everybody is different. Um, so... We just try to frame it in terms of health, but 
It's such a thorny issue. It, it is. is such a thorny issue because on the one hand, everyone should be, we should be accepting of all body types. On the other hand, not only should we be accepting of all body types, it should be up to the individual to decide what kind of body they want. For sure. Yeah. For sure. On the other hand, I know as someone who grew up overweight, I mean, like, as much as 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 much as we're making strides, culture is not kind to people who are. Over. No, I mean it's just no, it's hard. And you and you, of course, like you worry about you know how your kids are going to be treated, and are they going to feel included, and are they going to be right. loved? I mean, that's like really the basis of it, you know. But we had this really interesting thing happen this summer where Ira said to me, she she wears hearing aids, and so she was like. I am exhausted. This is what she said. She's fine. <laughs> I'm exhausted of explaining to people what is in my ears. Oh. And I was like, oh, honey, you know, they, they just are curious. They just don't know. She's like, mom, I know they're curious. I know no one's trying to hurt my feelings. Like I've hammered it. She's like, oh my God, enough with the speech. But she's like, <laughs> I'm fucking tired of telling them. Like she's she was like, like, I'm 10 steps ahead of you, mom. Yeah. She's like, people are stupid. Is that, you know, basically what she was saying. We can't say stupid. If we, somebody says stupid, she said, that's a bad word. Don't say that. Word. Oh, is that what they learned yeah, in school oh, now? Stupid is not allowed. Mm. Fuck you can say for days, but not stupid. <laughs> so um, I said, well, what do you think we should do? How can I help you with that? And man, it broke my heart. You know, I was just like, we were in the car. I was in the front seat. I was like, because oh I'm so worried, you know, yeah. for her, she's had them since she was a baby. So she doesn't think they're weird. She thinks everyone else is weird. <laughs> oh, that's so, so good. Yeah. Yeah. So I said, well, what if we go to your class? Because she started kindergarten at a new school this year. I said, what if we go to your class together on the first day and we just explain to everyone at once what they are and why you have them? And then we'll get it out of the way and we won't have to do it again. And then they'll go out to the playground and tell other people and, you know, it'll spread. And I was like, what you going to think? She was like, I love that. That's great. Let's do that. And so we went in the first day and, and it was like this thing Sinead was talking about where we explained it. You know, these are, Iris said, these are my hearing aids. They help me hear better. I was born with hearing loss, period. You know, it was like that easy. And we gave the kids time to ask questions. Do they hurt? No. What does it sound like? Louder. <laughs> All right done you know and it was just like over so i feel like if you can just show people like iris was like this doesn't make me different this is just like a thing that i need to do my life mm-hmm. so everyone back the fuck off <laughs> right and it was just so cool you know i was just like so proud of her and i mean i'm always super proud of her but it was just one of those moments where i was like oh, i love her so much <laughs> you know and i i just i just felt like it was like such a badass way to it really is it's like a do it's it. like a 5 a 5 year old being like i'm going to set this very kind boundary yes i was just like you're so much better at it than i am at, like i'm 38 and i feel like <laughs> like what a great thing so yeah speaking of boundaries do you follow <laughs> Speaking of boundaries, yeah. which I decided we're talking about. Yeah, I love do you that. you follow, I think her name's like the holistic psychologist on Instagram. Definitely not. Um, <laughs> no, definitely not. I, I'm, I'm afraid of the word holistic. It yeah, makes no, me uncomfortable. It, I'm not super into it either. That being said, she posts a lot of stuff, um, like good mantras and stuff like that. But anyway, there was something she had posted today that a bunch of people were retweeting, which was like what five different boundaries look like, like emotional boundaries, mental boundaries, physical boundaries. And, you know, if someone's crossing it, these are ways in which they're crossing it. And here's something you could say. Mm. And each thing that was suggested to say in response, I was like, ouch, 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 ouch. Like, like what? If 
Like now I really need I don't, to know. Okay. I think a uh a either mental or emotional boundary was like I don't feel like t- I don't feel like discussing that with you right now. <laughs> a burn. Then, yeah, they were all so harsh. <laughs> so aggressive. Yes. If somebody said that to me, I, I would, would be die. like fuck. Oh my gosh. I would yeah. I would be like and now we will never talk again. Right. Now Goodbye. this is what Thank you. That was my response. I mean, this is what you say to someone who is trying to cross that boundary. But when I read it, I was like, if anyone ever said, because that happens on this show sometimes where I will ask a question and someone will usually gently let me know they don't want to talk about that. Yeah. But I still usually want to like rip my skin off and just slither into a hole in the ground because I always feel like, oh God, I made them feel uncomfortable. But that's my own shit. Wait, so... People don't want to talk about things. This is so shocking to me. I like talk about everything. <laughs> me too. I'm just like, wait, people are, there's things people don't want to talk about? Occasionally, yes. And oftentimes I'll ask them ahead of time, is there anything you don't want to talk about? Um, so I'll get that out of the way. I didn't right. ask you that though. I don't Because you're an open book. Tell, I'll say yeah. whatever you want. That's right. Um, but, well, it actually happened last night on the panel version of my show, um, I had on a guest who's going through a divorce mm. and she said something and then I had a follow-up question and then she like didn't feel comfortable talking about that. But I think that's because it, it would have gotten into the details of the divorce. Mm. Um, so yeah, but anyway, but anyway, back to these boundary things. Yeah. I feel like setting boundaries is so good, but I, I also think setting them in a way that doesn't make the other person feel terrible is also important, but maybe that's just, because that's coming from someone who needs to learn to set boundaries and not care as much. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I mean, I I did have this like, I mean, there's this, that great stuff about my daughter. And then like this week, Mike and I were just like freaked out because she start, has started to do this thing. And she's always done it to some, le- to some degree. But it's gotten really intense where she has to make a joke about everything. Like she can't, she deflects everything with a joke. Mm. And I'm like... Okay, I'm all into humor, obviously, but I'm like, does she not want to go there? Like, have I not given her the space to talk about her feelings? Like, does she feel like she has to perform for us? Is she trying to impress? Like, I just started to spiral about like, why can she not just have Mm -hmm. like a a conversation without using humor? Uh, uh, You know, and so I I said like, you know, do you do you want to? You, you know, you don't have to make a joke. We we can ask you how your day was. We can you can tell us honestly. And she sort of made some comment about, well, if I talk about something that's bad, it'll just be worse or something. And mm. I was like, dude, <laughs> this is like her rebellion. Like I talk about everything. You know, I'm like, is my kid gonna rebel by like being like some sort of emotional like <laughs> shut off or something? Right. Like she's gonna have a million boundaries around. Mm, yeah. So oh, that's I don't really know. Interesting. But like now, you know, when they turn five, it's like now she's just a real human being like she's got real intense opinions and she's got a really you know formed personality and uh you know now's now's where it like really gets crazy right she's her own person yeah. living with you guys <laughs> she pays rent <laughs> right <Jeez. laughs> no but i have moments because elliot's only two and a half but i have moments it's usually when owen's in bed and when we're we're doing the nightly negotiation with Elliot over yep. whether he'll take a bath or not. All of it. Um, but where I'm like, we're just three people hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. Just hanging out with yeah. this person who's a person. That's right. And he actually recently just uh, switched from a crib to a big boy bed, which is 
Not the best segue, but speaking of beds, <laughs> I just want to tell you guys about Brooklyn. And I just posted a photo. I was wrestling with our duvet cover, trying to get the insert inside. But in the background of it, you can see my sheets. And someone said, are those your Brooklyn in sheets? And I said, yes, they are. I have one set of Brooklyn in sheets. And... They're blue and white striped, and I love them. I sleep better in them, and when they're, they need to be washed, I take them off, I wash them, I put them back on. I really need to get another set is basically the bottom line. Wow. Yeah. That is some lo- – I, I feel that, though. Good sheets cannot yeah, be – I know. Yeah, they're We incredible. have multiple sets of sheets, but I, I just – these are my absolute favorite – uh, you spend a third of your life in sheets. Don't you want them to be insanely comfortable? So when you sleep, sleep well on hotel quality sheets that don't cost an arm and a leg. Uh, Brooklyn and have 35,000 plus five star reviews more than any other online bedding company. They're founded in, two, in 2014 by a husband and wife team. They stayed in a hotel. They loved the sheets when they were checking out. They asked where are they from? They priced them. It was like some astronomical number and they said this is insanity. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna, uh, reinvent that's no what's just disrupt they're going to disrupt and reinvent and innovate the sheet game the sheet space yes (laughs) the linen space uh so now they have and uh they have cut out the middleman they work directly with manufacturers and directly with customers it's a great product and a great service my brooklyn and sheets are the most comfortable sheets sheets i've slept on and their towels have turned my bathroom into a spa i couldn't recommend them more for friends family or treating yourself to the upgrade you deserve brooklinen.com is giving an exclusive offer just for my listeners get 10 percent off and free shipping when you use promo code best friend at brooklinen.com brooklinen is so confident in their product that all their sheets comforters and towels come with a lifetime warranty the only way to get 10 percent off and free shipping is to use promo code best friend at brooklinen.com that's b-r-o-k-l-i-n-e-n.com promo code best friend brooklinen these are the best sheets ever and also you mentioned megan markle earlier I sure did. Meghan Markle was spotted wearing her Rothy's. Do you know Rothy's? <gasps> yes. Everyone knows Rothy's now, but yes. I knew them before everyone. She was <laughs> spotted wearing them, and then they started flying off the shelves. Rothy's are uh, super comfortable, super stylish shoes for women and girls made out of recycled plastic water bottles, which you think, well, I don't want to be on crunchy water bottles. <laughs> That's what I would think. Yeah. That you'd have, you would, you just feel them and you think this is like a durable but soft fabric that is not going to give me blisters immediately out of the box, which is it's unusual that you can get something that doesn't give you blisters right away. Uh, you would never know their water bottles. It's crazy how they, you wouldn't though. You'd think this is just some, you would never know their water bottles. <laughs> that should be their slogan. I mean, that's good. I would, I would, you would not, you would hope, you would hope that- <laughs> right. Well, they tick that box. <laughs> if if people not knowing your shoes were once water bottles is on your list, <laughs> that's, that's I've got I, the shoe for you. That's what I look for in a shoe. <laughs> <laughs> they come in a wide range of colors and patterns. They're available in four different silhouettes. They're constantly launching new styles, so you're guaranteed to find a pair or three you'll love. They launch new colors and patterns every few weeks, and they sell out constantly. People are nuts for their Rothy's. Become one of these Rothy's nuts, I'm telling you. It'll, it'll change your life. Zero break-in period with these shoes. You can wear them right out of the box. Uh, and they're manufactured in a zero-waste factory, and they ship directly in the shoe box. No unnecessary packaging. These are feel-good flats in more ways than one. Check out all the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com slash Allison. Go to rothys.com slash Allison to get your new favorite flats, comfort, style, and sustainability. These are the shoes you've been waiting for. Head to rothys.com slash Allison today. Again, that's rothys.com slash Allison. Okay. So when I was listening to 
last day, and my mouth wants to say first day, but my brain is reining it in. You're doing great. Thank you. <laughs> uh, you said the word addict, mm-hmm. and then you, you're like, oh, oh, wait, we're actually not supposed to say that anymore. And I, may, I made one note on my piece of paper, which is the word addict in quotes. Uh, I felt like maybe I was picking up on a little bit of energy, and I couldn't figure out what I was putting my finger on. What are your thoughts about the discussion around the use of the term addict, what you're, and what are, what are you supposed to say? Yeah. So, yeah. In episode one, I, I talked to Sarah Silverman, and she was talking about some role that she played where she had to oh, play right. an addict. And and I said addict, and then I corrected myself and said, wait a minute, you're not supposed to say that. Um, so in general, like, let's just back up. I, like I said, very laissez-faire. I'm like, don't tell me what to do. I'll do what I want. That's not laissez-faire, but like very rebellious. And I'm you like, live in Texas. Yeah, I'm like, fuck you. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to say what I want. I'm a free spirit. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. Like when I had my daughter, I was saying hearing impaired and I was corrected. Like I wrote an article for um, some, you know, hard of hearing publication they're called Hands and Voices. I know exactly what they're called. And they're an awesome organization and you should support them. Um, and the editor was like, you need to change this. And I was like, I need to change how I talk about my kid. Like she is impaired, you know. And I was like kind of like bristly about it. And then I thought about it and I was like, yeah, actually, I don't want her to be thought of as being impaired. Like she, I don't want – like my baby's not impaired. She's like awesome and brave and strong and awesome and beautiful and perfect. And so now when I hear somebody say hearing impaired, it like, like mm-hmm. makes me crazy. What's and the correct terminology? Or what? Hard of hearing, okay. deaf, uh, somebody who has hearing loss, mm-hmm. um, you know, the disability community, like you just don't want to say somebody's impaired. It's not like they're not normal. Right. You know, normal is another thing. Like if you say somebody has normal hearing, that's, that can be mm-hmm. offensive. And, and I think like, there's this feeling now that like it's getting we're getting carried away with this you know i have like, heard people say things like that not about these words we're talking about but in general there is yep. that like oh it's too it's too much too fast it's and I, too that much push, and i push against that though you know like the trigger warnings and the sensitivities and all of this and i don't know it's like does it take you that much effort to say it in a different way like does it really disrupt your day that much like, really? You know, like, it, just say what people want to be called. Right. It's not, like, that big of a deal. And um, so I feel like I was more open to the idea that you need to call somebody something that they want to be called uh, because I had that experience. Had I not had that experience, I don't know. I might be more like, whatever, you know. <laughs> like, when Harris told me that he – was struggling with addiction, he said, I am a drug addict. Mm. He said those words to me. And I have said drug addict, heroin addict, addict. But saying somebody is an addict, people who are addiction specialists, people who are like really working in the field, um, it can be pejorative. It can feel like um, like junky. Right. It can feel like um, a negative connotation. And it's something like, you know, there's – there's there's a similarity between the HIV epidemic and the opioid epidemic in terms of there was so much stigma around people who were getting HIV in the 80s and you know it was a gay disease and it, and it's a bad thing to get and once we kind of took the stigma away from that we were able to make some 
progress Mm -hmm. and now it's like close to being eradicated you know which is wild right because don't you remember i mean in the 80s it was like i was more afraid of sex because of aids and now like people are thriving with is that yeah i would say thriving it's not a death sentence no not at all and people aren't you know i think there's you know with like prep and there's all these developments with it and anyway so I think that the idea of stigma, if we can, if we can use words that don't carry as much shame and weight, um, negative weight, I feel like maybe we'll make some progress. And so Mm -hmm. I I interviewed this one woman, her name is Nzinga Harrison. She's fantastic. She's an addiction specialist and and a a medical doctor. And she says, I'm language militant. Mm. Um, And she said, you're going to hear me be very language militant in this, in this episode, because I want to, these people are people, they are humans, they deserve compassion and respect. And so you can say a person with addiction instead of an addict. Mm -hmm. You can say, um, if you say somebody has an opioid dependency disorder, that's very medical. A substance use disorder, Mm -hmm. it's not like they're a heroin addict, they're a opioid addict. Right. So It's not that kind of label. Exactly. It's like... um, that condemnation exactly and so honestly like i don't know like i i I don't know if i've made up my mind about it but i feel like in doing the show i'm so heightened aware about it now that when i say addict because i've been sort of digging into it it feels wrong now so i feel like my needle is being Mm -hmm. pushed a little bit um and once you start making a habit of calling something something uh that shift happens in your brain yeah so when i interviewed sarah she was one of the first interviews i did and i was just sort of like digging into the way to talk about it and everyone says different things some people say opioid dependency disorder or substance use disorder or substance abuse struggling with addiction there's all these different ways to say it and if you talk to one person they're going to give you one answer and another another answer but i just want to be respectful i i think that people who are dealing with this like it's really hard and you know, it's like, doesn't hurt me to not say something that might offend somebody. Mm. You said something earlier. You said that it could be any one of us. Yeah. Do you, can you talk more about that? Because just full disclosure, I was like, could it, could it really be any one of us? Except I, except that like, that's a little bit like, (laughs) I mean, could it? (laughs) Right. But that's a little bit like there before the grace of God go I, because like, I know that I've, I've got a super addictive personality is that yeah. you can say that though right you can say addictive personality for sure i have a compulsive See, now now you're gonna like be like tripping out about it <laughs> i know i'm gonna tell you it. yeah um yeah yeah but but tell me more about your thoughts about that about so, how it's somewhat indiscriminate yeah, yeah 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 so okay have you been prescribed oxy or any sort of like intense painkiller like that after surgery or, I or have pregnancy been, uh like norco so i've never i've and I have lamented that I've never been prescribed uh, Percocet or Oxy because I know other people who had like similar things that I did and they right. were prescribed it, but right. I never, so I never have, You've but never. I've had IV fentanyl um, and I, but my, if my, I've also, my favorite of, of the things you might get in that setting is Versed. Mm-hmm. Have you had that before? I don't know. That is uh, what they give you before surgery to relax you mm. and you just like feel like you just melt right. into the sheets and it takes your anxiety away yeah. and it's. Um, yeah, but, but I've also had fentanyl. So, I mean, I know, you know, yeah. it's, uh, and fentanyl, it's crazy. Cause 
it is excuse me it is used uh in hospitals mm-hmm. in ERs yeah in pregnancy i mean and, not pregnancy in delivery and it is now the thing that's killing people it is it's a synthetic opioid and it is uh it is the thing that is just like wiping people out yeah. right now it's it's this so is what my partner's on the street yep they think they're getting heroin and it's fentanyl which is a lot stronger right H- horrible it will kill you instantly it's what my uh, partner's brother died of a fentanyl yeah. overdose um and he was a was he he was seeking heroin yes yes and this guy was like super successful sales guy like married you know i mean really funny guy beloved by so many Mm -hmm. magnanimous personality just you know yeah and um so when i say it can happen to anybody i guess so it's two things it's one that because it is an acquired brain disorder once you start taking this stuff it can truly rewire your brain so that's when I mean like anybody is susceptible mm-hmm. to this disease. It's not like, um, you know, if you start taking opioids and I start taking opioids, if we take them for like a month, we're both going to like be fucking up our brain chemistry. Right. You know, the thing is, though, that I talked to this guy, Sam Snodgrass, which is the greatest name it's of all really time. Good. Incredible name. And when I told my mom I was going to be doing the show, she's like, you need to talk to Sam Snodgrass. And I was like, obviously I remember that name because it is the coolest name I've ever heard. <laughs> and um, then when I went to her group, she has like a, a group in Houston for people who have lost loved ones to overdoses. And she does it once a month. And there's like so many people in the group, uh, which is really sad. Mm-hmm. But I went to record one of the meetings and I don't ever go because I don't I, 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 it's not, I don't want to do that. It mm. doesn't feel good to me to, to do that. Mm-hmm. Some people like it. I'm not that person. But I went for the show and this other woman mentioned Sam Snodgrass in the group. And I was like, man, I got to talk to this guy. <laughs> and he is this dude in Arkansas. He has. Did you listen to S-Town podcast? No. You should. And you're like, I get it. I should. Everyone, you know. <laughs> It's like this guy who sounds just like Sam Snodgrass. He's like real thick, you know, Arkansas drawl. Um, And he is a behavioral pharmacologist. He has like 17 doctoral degrees. And he was a heroin addict. Oh, wow. I just said heroin addict. uh, For like decades. Decades. And he started on it because he was doing all this research. He had this fellowship. And there was like a bottle of methadone rolling around in a drawer. And he started like playing with, experimenting with it. And... What he told me is that there's basically some people will take an opioid and it will make them feel like shit. Like when mm. I take an opioid, when I've been prescribed Vicodin or something, I get itchy. It makes me feel bad. Like mm-hmm. I don't I don't like the feeling. Some people will take it. He says 15 to 20 percent of people will take it and feel better than they have ever felt in their lives. And if that is you. Do not take another one. That's so interesting. So like the idea that there are more people who are susceptible right. from the outset, but that once you start fucking with it, it's like you, you stop. You, it's going to mess up your brain. And yeah. then we really do this backwards in America. I know that's sh- that's so strange because we do everything so progressively here. <laughs> right. Here's you know? one area in which I mean, there's room for improvement. Truly one area because everything else is just smooth sailing. <laughs> Um, but like we, we have access to medically assisted treatment and it's something that everyone who you'll talk to that's a specialist in this, it's the gold standard where 
okay, so I have a thyroid issue, right? So I take a thyroid medication every single day. I take 100 milligrams and it evens me out so that I can just be a person. Same. Do you have thyroid too? Yes, I do. Hypothyroid? Yes. And you take levothyroxine or Synthroid? I always took levothyroxine. This doctor prefers Synthroid. Yeah. on Synthroid. However, I I actually am awaiting my results because I feel like 100 – they – after you feel pregnant, like it's too low? Yes. After pregnant, I was on 125 throughout yep. pregnancy. And then he was like, make sure you come back after pregnancy because yep. your dose is pregnant. To, so yes. they've been stepping me down. But I feel like, and then I was like in the right zone. Yep. But I feel like I need to go back up. Just yeah. physically, that's how Do I'm feeling. Do you have hair? Like, does your hair fall out when you're? Yeah. Uh, not typically. That's not usually a sign of my hypothyroidism. But after pregnancy, I'm having a lot of hair loss. But right. Full fucking disclosure. I go poop like twice a week now. What? Yeah. And I'm like, this has got to be a sign. How old is your baby? Six months. I mean, that's still really like, he's still really young. Yeah. But you haven't like gotten your period or anything yet? No, I do have my period. Okay. But my period, but I was real late to start it, which they think could have been thyroid related. So basically you're exactly what I'm telling you is that like, you know how like you you can be a normal person, but you need to take this medication to like, yes. even you out. So the idea with medically assisted treatment is that your brain is rewired. And if you have somebody that just stops cold turkey with a brain disorder and they're not taking anything to regulate that chemistry, you are just setting them up for a relapse. Totally. And so medically assisted treatment is basically like there's buprenorphine, suboxone, methadone, Mm. where you can take these very low doses every single day, like a thyroid thing that I've taken for 10 years, and it will even you out in a way where you don't need to take the heroin or you... There's some medications that block the desire, some medications that block the ability to get high. I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to like try to speak to each of their, you know, properties. Um, But we are so against this medically assisted treatment. It's like, you can't give a drug addict another drug. And it's like, well, I have depression and anxiety. If I don't take my Prozac, I'm crazy. Mm -hmm. Like I, obviously I don't think you're supposed to say crazy either anymore. (laughs) Um, Allison, what can we say? What can we say? The progressive agenda has gone too I far. I mean, snowflake, snowflake, snowflake. Did you know there are co-ed bathrooms now? Uh, oh, can I, can I even say oh that? Oh my God, it's just disgusting. <laughs> pearls, pearls, pearls. Um, yeah, so why, I just- Why I just, are people so- Sorry, I just be, talked no, about you. No, no, because why are people so- I don't know. Why are people so opposed to medically assisted treatment? It seems like- a pearl clutching judgmenty thing, right? Yes. It's the same reason why like we tell sh- teenagers not to have sex. Yeah. It's like we are a puritanical, abstinence based fucking country. Right. And at the end of the day, that's the harm reduction stuff I was telling you about. God forbid you have something in place that will help people to not die. Right. You know, it's just like, it's just ridiculous. And when you look at the statistics, They've got these overdose prevention sites all over the world, and it drops deaths by something like 35 to 50%. Why would wow. you not want to do something that will make 50% less people die? I know. It's, I feel like there's this like, hey, I don't take a drug every day, so bootstraps. you shouldn't. Yeah. It's the bootstraps. You shouldn't either. Like, we're not. Why are we helping people? <laughs> it's like, yeah. Why and like, people? somebody was like, you know, Ugh. 12 steps, like go to meetings. Yeah. Go to meetings. Fuck. Yeah. Go to meetings. Also take right. some 
suboxone. Right. Do both. Do you, either or, you know? Would Harris have been open to that, do you think? So Harris was offered something called Vivitrol, which is a it's very controversial. Like a lot of people who are addiction medicine doctors and pharmacologists are against Vivitrol. Um again, it's like too sciencey for me to articulate, but basically like some drugs block your desire to get high and your inhibit your ability to get mm-hmm. high. Some drugs, they just block your ability to get high, but they don't block your desire to use. And I think Vivitrol is one of those. Okay. So I Harris was on Suboxone at some point in his journey, but then it wasn't regulated and he was taken off of it or he took himself off of it. And so... I think it's like, again, it's like you can't just do one thing. Mm -hmm. You can't be prescribed Suboxone and then be sent on your way. You need to have Suboxone and regular therapy and regular check-ins and 12-step meetings. You know, you need to – there's some statistic that it takes five years for somebody to be in recovery to have that equal like a person who's never used before Mm -hmm. in terms of their um, propensity to – become a drug addict or whatever. So right. it's like, um, this is like very numbersy and probably boring to people. But I, I just think that like, we are getting to the point where it's like, would you give a cancer patient, one cancer patient, the same treatment as another cancer patient? Or would you tailor right. their treatment to tailor. them? Yeah. Again, addiction is no different. If you're looking at it like a disease, then you need to have a specialist, a doctor that's working with you. So, you know, it's again, it's just America. Woo, America. <laughs> it's the greatest. I love it so much. <laughs> Happy to be here. Um, are you familiar with The Real Real? No. Oh. Is it something in America? It, I mean, yes. <laughs> but it's on, the, it's on the web. But they also have brick and mortar stores too. Tell me. Uh, own iconic luxury items at unreal values with The Real Real, the leading reseller of authenticated luxury consignment from top designers. I was unfamiliar with it until I started looking around and I'm like, ooh, look at all those. For some reason, I just find it very soothing to look at engagement rings, like beautiful engagement oh rings. Oh my gosh, me at- too. Really? I We're do this. this. We are so similar. It's the hypothyroidism. I know. One of the symptoms is you want to look at engagement rings even if you're married. Um, but yeah, I love to look at that and then they have these expensive watches that are marked down and uh, it's just tons of great stuff. But anyway, so I was like all excited about the real real. And then since I have been talking about it on the show, I've, a lot of hip people that I know already were hip to it. So it's a, it's a hip site. There you, guys. you go. Shop from designers like Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Rolex, Cartier, and hundreds more at up to 90% off retail. New arrivals come in daily and every single item is authenticated by the Real Real's team of experts. In fact, the Real Real employs over 100 brand authenticators, gemologists, Horologists, horologists, oh. study of time, watch people. Didn't think that was where you're going. With I that. know. It's what a no, word. Starts with an H. And art curators from around the globe who inspect thousands of items each day to ensure that every item is 100% expert, authenticated. Shop online, visit one of their original stores in Soho or West Hollywood or their newest location at 870 Madison Avenue in New York. They also have luxury consignment offices in Chicago, Dallas, Miami, San Francisco, Washington, D.C. 
in-store new customers receive an automatic $25 off at checkout. Shop in-store, online, or download the app and get 20% off select items with the promo code REAL. That's therealreal.com, promo code REAL for 20% off select items. Okay, I have one more question. Then we have some questions from listeners. Um, You touched on this at the beginning, but I uh, am fascinated by the... uh, the process of experiencing a tragedy and then turning it in to something so um, like generous and beneficial and artistic and creative. Um, uh, 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 this, this girl that grew up next to me got in touch with me after the Las Vegas shooting, the Mm -hmm. route 91 harvest festival shooting and told me that she had been listening to my podcast, which I hadn't seen her since she was a little girl. She's a regular listener. She was shot. At the festival, um, she was okay, but she had been shot in the leg, and she was like, "You, you should have a trauma person come on the show." And I'm like, "Or I should have you come on the show." Mm. So she came on the show. It was wow. a really great episode, and since then, she's gone on to be a part of this campaign. And I hope I'm, I'm I might not be discussing it in exactly the right way, but you get the gist. Called "Stop the Bleed," mm. which is they go around and they teach just regular citizens how to handle this situation how to save people before the medical professionals get there because you know that's when a ton of bleeding happens yeah and it's just and she's got on a whole bunch of shows now and i you know i look at that and i'm like that strength to take this horrible really scary upset and she had she's had to have a lot of um surgeries and i mean it's like it's a whole thing. She's not the same Mm-mm. mentally or physically um, or emotionally or physically is what I mean to say. Um, but to take that and turn it into this really positive thing and you have done the same thing. Um, yeah. Can you, can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, I don't feel like I have a choice in it. Is this, uh, that sounds like so cliche no. when I say that, but I feel like, um, after Harris died, I was living my life in one way and then I couldn't live in that way anymore because I like had changed. Like I was just a different person and I, um, I am an artist. I've always been, you know, a, a writer or, a, you know, director or an actor, or, you know, like done a lot of different things. And that's sort of like how I filter my life experience. And so after he died, I, started writing just so much as a way to like not die myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had a one-year-old, like I had to keep going. And um, so I processed it creatively and I didn't mean for that to matter to other people. I wasn't doing it for other people. Mm -hmm. And once I put it out there, it resonated with people and, and they were like, Thank you for – I get messages all the time. People pour out their guts to me, their souls, and like, well, let me tell you my story because when people feel seen or when they feel heard or they feel understood, it's very empowering. And so um, that was like a very accidental thing that happened. Um, and then like I- – I'm thinking about it all the time and I don't know how to not do that. So I might as well be productive while I'm thinking about it. Like, I don't know. It's, it feels very, um, like organic. It doesn't feel like I'm like, now I need to figure out a way to creatively deal with my trauma. (laughs) 
it's like whatever comes out comes out mm-hmm. and the podcast right now is so fulfilling to me because people have been asking me like I said for years like what do I do and I'm like I don't know <laughs> and like now I can answer the question and, and what it, is your answer everything that I've told you, like that it's a disease, that you need to talk to a doctor, that 30 days isn't enough, that we need to be on medication, that we need, you know, that mm-hmm. there is hope, you can beat it. It's, you know, and, and, and I was yelled at by Sam Snodgrass. I kept saying, you know, you beat it. And he was like, I did not beat it. He was like, stop saying that. You know, he's like, I am in remission. Mm. I can relapse anytime. I have not used something for 11 years I could go out and use tomorrow. Like, don't put that pressure on me, right. you know? And so I'm learning a lot. And, you know, I love school. I love reading. I love teaching. I, I, I'm a naturally curious human being. Like, it just, it's just a good fit, I think. So I think if you're a creative person, that's how you're going to do life, you know? Um, and I respond to whatever is happening currently. So, like, currently, there's been a lot of tragedy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm a doer. I'm a doer, Allison. I have to do do things. You're totally doing stuff. I'm, 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 I've seen you do so much. Of, well, <laughs> this is a kind of a weird question, but it occurs to me the decision t- you you got. Yes, you had a one year old when he died, yeah. so you got pregnant after uh, yeah. with with Harry. Yes, <laughs> it made yes. it sound like I really don't understand how this works. I mean, listen. you got pregnant with your second after yes. the decision to have another child in the face of grief, and I'm a little unclear on the. I, I don't know the exact timeline, but like that's a real taking a bite of the uh, peach. Like I'm going to be alive. I'm committing to being alive in this world uh, thing to do. Yeah. What did you have? Were you in conflict at all? Oh, fuck. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I not only because of that, but because of the hearing thing, like we did all this genetic testing on Iris after they came up with nothing mm. like there's no rhyme or reason like it, they say it's genetic but they don't know what and so they were like we were like was it gonna happen again and they're like well, I don't know, maybe you know and so there was the grief around harris and my own sort of cynicism and very glass half empty way of looking at the world and then uh the hearing thing which Basically, like once I lived with Iris for a few years, I was like, oh, you're the coolest person I've ever met. So if my next baby has this cool, you know, it became like, what am I afraid of? Mm -hmm. She's incredible. Right. This is not something that is holding her back at all. And so we got pregnant accidentally. We were like debating and debating and debating. And my most, one of my most significant relationships in my life was with my brother. So the idea of her not having a sibling, Mike has two siblings, mm-hmm. it was like really hard for me because my brother, I don't have him anymore, but he was very important to me when I did. And so we got pregnant accidentally and we were excited about it. And, and we were like, oh my gosh, maybe we do want another baby. And then I had a miscarriage. Oh. And I told you, it's been super fun the last few years. It's been <laughs> it's- so awesome. Like, shouldn't I just be like in a corner shaking and rocking? Um, everyone no, has you're a doer. You're a doer, so. Yeah, exactly. I don't have time for that shit. Um, 
had a miscarriage and then we were like no one has miscarriages but also they're really hard for everyone really hard totally 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 it was really devastating but it made us realize that we did want another Mm -hmm. baby so then we tried and we got harry harry is deaf in one ear i did not know that yes and his hearing loss is totally different than iris's Hmm. So basically, we were struck by so lightning twice. So that's just coincidence. Yes, that's, that's crazy, insane. Yeah, I don't ask why anymore. Mm-hmm. I just go through life, and I and I just sort of like cover my head, and I'm just like, <laughs> shit's gonna fall on me, and I'm gonna deal with it. And it's gonna be fine. Uh, but he, you know, once they told me about his, his is like um, uh, physical, like he doesn't basically have a cochlea in one of his ears, mm. and that happens in like four to five weeks of gestation, which is so insane. But you didn't know until after he was no born, idea. Right? He hears so well it's insane to me because there's sounds that iris has never been able to hear Mm. she will never like if you open a door and she's not turned to the door she won't hear that Mm -hmm. he hears everything so like his one ear is like making up such a superstar um so yeah and it's like i was i'm not gonna pretend like i wasn't bummed i was bummed like i was like this sucks and was i hitler in a past life and what did it you know Mm. What did I do to deserve this? And I think people, you know, but it's like, it's not a problem. It's a difference, you know? And and it's it's like all that cliched bullshit about, you know, your kids will teach you. Mm-hmm. But like they have. It seems like they are though. Yeah. yeah. So and they're and they're and they're very good looking. So it's really <laughs> well, all that matters. Get a free ride That's what I'm in saying. this world. Yeah. yeah. My be- son is a man. He's yeah. white. He's a mm-hmm. you know, I mean, what could be better in the world? Although now I guess white men aren't aren't uh, well, as according great to, as they used to According be. to white men, now is not a great time for them. <laughs> right. But, I've heard that. <laughs> yeah. Have you? Um, I love white men, okay? I don't want to get like hate mail. Right. I'm married to one, everybody. Same. He's Jewish, so like I don't know if it like totally counts, but. And mine's not. Okay. So I feel so like you're good. Yeah. You're, I'm good. You're good. I'm bringing him down. That's right. Um, okay. Let's take some questions that people sent in. When we ask, they send them in They're wondering how you have been So thanks so much for answering These questions from our fans Gray Delisle Griffin, do you know who that is? She, yes. yes, I love she, her on Twitter. She says, "Do you talk to your kids about your feelings regarding the president?" I go back and forth. My twelve-year-old comes to protest with me, but I want my five and two-year-old to feel safe. I'm not sure if I should just pretend everything is normal for them or not. Yeah, we have really fucked our kid up. I'm going to be 100% honest. Um, she is so anti-Trump that <laughs> I think we have done it wrong like she raised her hand in class this was last year in pre-k4 um during election day and said something about like trump and republicans being evil and how they're bad and you know my dad is a republican which is insane you know because my mom and all of us are like super liberal and she said to him last year, you need to be a Democrat like the rest of your family. <laughs> and and he was like, what does it mean to be a Democrat? And she's like, no guns. You can go to the doctor when you're sick and no Donald Trump, you know. So she does like have a lot of opinions politically. When, when Beto was running for Texas Senate, you know, she was out there with us at the rallies. And, you know, she was very upset when he lost and – 
I tell her about all the branches of government and I, 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 you know, we're very open with her. But like the other day she said something about killing babies or killing Trump if he was a baby. We were like, are you, are you saying that joke in your class? Because don't, <laughs> right. you know? And so like I had to tell her this year, like we need to tone that down a little bit. So the answer, Gray, is that uh, I don't know. I, I've done the wrong thing maybe. <laughs> but she has she has a deeply uh, felt political yeah. opinions. Uh, Josh Ryan says, from building a theater to building a podcast network, what tips do you have for cultivating a professional community of creators? How do you identify who to partner work with? How do you approach them? How do you set them up to succeed? Um, I think that you can feel instinctively when you're connecting with somebody, you know, like, do you have a connection? Do you have similar goals? Do you have the same amount of drive? Do you have a similar vision? Um, my partner and I now are saying like, it's just crazy that we'll have conflict, you know, of course, cause it's like a marriage. Um, but we work through it. We talk through it. We're very open. Um, I think you have to find people that you are like-minded, but you are not the same, Mm -hmm. that you each bring something very different to the table. Because I've had partnerships creatively where we are the same and it doesn't work. Not that it doesn't work, but like I feel like it hasn't gone as far as Mm -hmm. it should because we're not playing off of each other. I feel like with Jess, it's a very good partnership because we are very different and we bring very different things to the table. Uh, and so I would say find somebody who you respect, you trust to do their part, um, but that has something else to bring that you that you need. Do you feel like you and um, – this is a, a weird question, but uh, – and it's from uh, at Allison Rosen on Twitter wants to know. Are you <laughs> I and, love her. Are you and Jess like in similar places with your grief, with the processing through the grief? She is closer in terms like, so her brother died in 2017 and Harris was 2015, but she is not a vulnerable by nature Mm. person. She, this podcast where we're telling her brother's story, this is the first time they have talked about it. They have not, her family. family. Wow. Like they have not announced publicly how he died. Wow. I, cause Harris was who he was. It was all out in the open. Right. And so, Wow. Yeah. So it's it's a very different experience for her. I think because it was so public with us, a lot of that grief was like we had to go through it. Like mm-hmm. Then we had yeah, there to was deal. No. Hiding from no. And so I think because she's had some time, like that was October 2017 and now we're here, she's had some time to process before, you know, putting the story out there. And Stefano struggled with addiction for 10 years years Harris's journey was basically like two and he was in rehabs for one year and then he was gone so Stefano was in and out and in and out and in and out out for a long 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 time Um, so I think as people we deal with emotions differently Um, but sometimes I have to stop and say like are you okay I mean that you know we're, we're talking about her brother and we're talking about this narrative in like these very like, well, this, this is good. And this needs to be here. And this needs to be here. And so I, she's not like on all the nitty gritty, um, like scripting calls. Mm. And cause I feel like it's just weird. Like it's, it's her personal story. Right. It's not like a narrative. Right. Almost like 
like doing a, a postmortem on the, like this person yes, that's her brother. Yeah. Exactly. Like how do we how do we like make people feel things mm-hmm. with you know, it's like it's kind of a weird thing. Yeah. So um yeah. Good good question at Allison oh, Rosen. Yeah, she's uh She's one of our most vocal <laughs> listeners. Okay. And lastly, Yumi Empathy says, uh, oh, yay. I adore Stephanie. My question, why is it important to show the, quote, unfiltered human experience? How does that contribute to recovery, healing, growth? I mean. Uh, and that's a reference to the Lemonada bio. Yes. Humanity unfiltered is our is our tagline. Um, I just really can't deal with anything other than honesty like i i just i like have no patience anymore for i just like i want i want to like really get into it i want to know what's really going on with you i know you feel the same way like yeah i don't like i don't want to know the bullshit stuff i just want to get into it and i want to know that you struggle like there's nothing that makes me angrier than when i like say they had perfect parents (laughs) not only that not only that well my parents were were my Perfect. parents were actually very good. Um, I mean, my dad was like very emotionally absent, but whatever. He's like a 76, 77 year old man. Like, what do you yeah. expect? But like when I sit, when mothers who have had babies, mm. this has happened to me twice now. I will encounter a woman who's at three months and I'll be like, how are you? Are you feeling better? Like, are you getting out of the darkness? And they'll be like, it's been great for me. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck you. Yeah. Like you might as well just spit in my face. Right. Like I need to know yeah. the bad stuff about you. Same. Yeah. I know. And, and especially the mother thing when they say that, then it makes me go like, oh, am I some freak? Am I a monster? Yeah. Because I've hated it's, a lot of this. Yeah. This has been really hard and right. uncomfortable and kind of like miserable for me. Yeah. Um, like I'm not enjoying this. No, it's not the commercials that you see. It's, it's not. Very hard. And I'm just like, why can't you get on my level? Yeah. Why can't we just like talk openly? And so the the people that I respect and that I bond with and that I connect with are people who are just like, let's talk. And I just think that that's very healing when you are honest about where you are and somebody like meets you with that and I don't know. I just feel like that's, that's where what growth people happens. Need. Yes. That's what people, that's what connection is. And that's what people need. No one needs to hear that. Like it's going great. You loved wearing your diaper after pregnancy. I mean, or the mesh underwear, right? Yeah. Like, is it, I don't know. I, I, I just, I think that life is hard. Same. And I struggle with a lot of things. And I say this to my kid all the time. Like, I make mistakes constantly. Like I'm, I do things wrong constantly and I love it when people can like meet me there. And so the idea with Lemonada is that we know that you're like doing the mundanity of your life and you're getting up and you're doing your shit and you're taking care of your kids and you're going to soccer and you're doing whatever else you're doing. But like you're also struggling internally with all these things. And so let's do the mundanity and make jokes and talk about how hard it is. And that's kind of what we, what we're doing. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> I, I think that's what my podcast does. I, I, I love your podcast. And I totally, I mean, that's, you know, it's just like talking about real stuff. Yeah. I love that. Um, this has been wonderful. We also have some questions that came in on Patreon and I'm going to do those in a special bonus Patreon segment as soon as we end this, but tell everyone 
where to find you, where to find Lemonada. Do your plugs. Do the things. Do the things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So You're we, a doer. Do I'm it. a do doer. The, yeah. Do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> um, we are. Are you a doer? Are you? Are you a doer? Would you say that you're a doer? Um. Uh, here's the thing. I don't think I would say that I'm a doer. But then I, sometimes when I take stock, I'm like, oh, I, I actually yeah. am a doer. Good yeah. for me. I actually do do stuff. Right. I'm. I. Not, but it's never as much as I feel like I should be doing. Like, are you a procrastinator? Yes, but I wouldn't say that's my main problem. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, in college, I was someone who would pull all-nighters to get my thing in, in in general. But are you a self-doubter? Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm a self-doubter. I'm an imposter syndrome uh-huh, person. Uh-huh, I'm, uh, uh-huh, I'm just, uh-huh. I'm also like tired all the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah. I'm kind of lazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's yeah. like any sort of big project that I want to spearhead. I, there's like so many of those that I just feel like I just don't have it in. I haven't had it in me to do them, but I feel like I'm coming back all of a sudden. Like I'm coming yeah, back yeah. to life. You're in like a very transitional, the six month thing is really yeah. big. But the other thing is, I know we're done with the episode. I just have to no, add this, okay. is that I think when like you're, you're talking about your friend with the leg and being shot yeah. and when you're faced with death like with Harris or whatever you really do like not give a fuck anymore mm-hmm. about failure in the same way so it's like why not like right. uh, if 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 something it does not matter none of this bullshit matters like i'm going to die and also if it fails who cares it does not matter nobody yeah. cares it's not the worst thing that can happen so there's something like very freeing about like so you that's interesting you've been able to maintain that outlook even though yes. even as you've got yep. work processed the grief a bit i have internalized very deeply the who gives a fuck that's so great lease on life yeah that's a good one okay here's where <laughs> here's where to find me uh at whittle stephanie w-i-t-t-e-l-s-t-e-p-h-a-n-i-e on twitter at lemonada media on instagram facebook What's the other one? Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> uh, com, And then please, please subscribe to Last Day, As Me, Good Kids, How Not to Raise an Asshole on Apple or Spotify or Stitcher. The subscribe stuff is so important mm-hmm. and the rating stuff is so important. Yeah, it which is. Which is like so lame to say. You have to ask for it. But please, like please rate us well. Yeah. Don't rate us badly. But subscribing really does help. Everything that whittle stephanie just said uh, <laughs> this podcast too if you like what you're hearing download subscribe tell a friend leave a nice comment also my other podcast childish that i do with greg fitzsimmons check out that one uh and i'm at allison rosen on twitter and instagram shows twitter feed is at ariymbf and i'm also on patreon patreon.com slash allison rosen go there for extra bonus fun stuff and i'm on cameo i don't know why i plug it because it's no, I'm not doing brisk business over there at all. But Cami, I'm find me Allison Rose. I think it's cameo.com slash Allison Rosen or just Allison Rosen on Cameo. Uh, and then uh, a special bonus Patreon segment will be on Patreon. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was so you. great catching up with Always you. Always a pleasure. Um, again, very impressed with what you guys are doing. Thank you. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about Allison Rosen Show. We had a good time, but now we gotta go.